Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Now Nineveh was a very large city. A visit required three days. On the first day Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw that they did, when God saw what they did and how they turned away from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Lord God, we come to you this morning back in your house, in your sanctuary. At a moment, Lord, where we have a decision to make. Will we humble ourselves? Or will we let pride get in the way? The pride of life, Lord, that idea that uh, somehow we have figured it out, that we can take care of it on our own, that we somehow don't need you. Or the humility that says, I don't have it figured out. I'm broken. I have issues. I have baggage and I need you. I pray, Lord, that that's exactly where we are this morning. Put us in that spot that we might hear your voice, Lord. That pride says, we don't even need you. We don't have to listen to you. And then you're just an extra Medicine for the masses, right? And yet, Lord, we know that walking through this life without you is, is worthless. So, Lord, I ask that you'd open our hearts this morning. That you would begin to humiliate us in those spots, Lord, where we know we may need to make changes. That you would break our hearts, that you might reform them to look like you. Put us in that spot, Lord, because that's exactly where we need to be, leaning on you. Thank you for your love of us. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. That's good, Ken. That's a good problem. If you're new to us, that's what we call the herd. I just, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good name or a bad name, but I kind of like it. Kind of warm. That water was warm, huh, Dan? I hope you're excited. You should be excited. This is an exciting morning. If we said a prayer and we were done for the day, it would be an awesome day, would it not? Right? We could, we could walk away from this. I'd get you out 25 minutes early, 20 minutes early. Forget it, Right? Bobby wants, no, we have a meeting at 945, so I got till 944. 
I'm good. Well, we're on week three of our Jonah series, and you may remember, or if you weren't here, we, we remember that Jonah in chapter one was the running heart, right? Jonah decided, he heard from God, and he's like, okay, I'm going that way, because God wants me to go that way. And we know that some of us, well, probably all of us at times, have gone the wrong way. And then last week, we talked about um, Jonah inside the belly of a fish, and even at that moment of uh, in, still in the fish, he praised God because God had, remember what God did to him while he was still in the fish? He saved him. He delivered him. He, right, he'd promised that he would deliver him. And somehow in the middle of, of being in the belly of the whale or the belly of the fish, somehow... Jonah was able to realize that God had already protected him and that he was going to deliver him. And when we get to the end, that's where we, he gets, I think the last verse we read was, and he got spit out onto the land, right? And so this week we are going to uh, enter the, uh, the passage where our hero has another chance. Who likes second chances or third chances or fourth chances, right? If you've been reading along, you realize that chapter 3 is, starts out almost identically as chapter 1. Um, hopefully you realize that there's going to be a different ending to chapter 3 than chapter 1. So I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to ask you, uh, and I'm going to ask for if you haven't had a chance to share in service uh, something that you read out of chapter 3 that stuck out to you. I'm going to ask you to, to, to tell me what those are. Um, we've had some really good ones. So if, maybe if you haven't had a chance to share that, what have you heard in chapter 3? If you read, or if you haven't been here, the goal has been this. You have to read the chapter. Well, you don't have to, but the homework is you read the chapter before, the week before, and you want to hear God, you'll listen to what God is saying in the midst of that. And you've had all week to read, I think, 10 verses. Uh, so that's a little over a verse a day. So what did you hear this week in chapter 3? Steve, what'd you hear? Uh, verse three, oh, Steve, we're going to put Steve. Then the word of the Lord came to Steve a second time. Okay, I got you. I wasn't, a, I wasn't, okay. Rebecca? Amen. Amen. I got, I, that was one of my points for today. Right? They, the Ninevites heard Jonah, but they believed God. And it's just a short little statement, and it's so powerful, right? That one little line. What else? What else did you hear this week? Carrie? I, I missed the second point. Forgiveness? God's forgiveness? Absolutely. Yeah, I can relate. We're going to talk about that today, too. I'm glad you guys like read my sermon notes before I wrote them. <laughs> Does anyone else have uh, anything else? Donna, what'd you hear? Amen. Yeah, God does not give up on anyone. He didn't give up on me, so you guys will be all right. Brantley, what'd you hear? Uh, in verse 8, the king recognizes that it's not for us to let go of our sinful tendencies, but that we need to surrender them to the Lord and that he will Okay, did you hear that? That uh, God will take away those sinful desires, not that we're able to give them up on our own 
uh, volition. Anything else? One more? God's mercy, yeah. God's mercy in the midst of uh, uh, what could have come out, turned out a whole lot different. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm getting a second chance from God, I'm not sure I'm, I'm where Jonah is, right? Because uh, you'll quickly find out as we talk about Jonah that God doesn't tell Jonah the whole message this time either, right? He says, go to Nineveh. That's what he told him the first time. Go to Nineveh. So we're going to talk a little bit about today, um, a little bit about uh, Jonah's mission. And what I want to do today is look at it a little bit differently. We're going to look at the three main characters in chapter 3, Jonah, the Ninevites, and God. All right, that's how, so that's, and if you look at the scripture, you'll see that uh, verse 1 through 4 is Jonah, uh, 5 through 9 is really the Ninevites, and, and verse 10 is where God uh, is actually... Uh, speaks his mind, the last piece of that, the last verse. So we're going to kind of look at it from that perspective, and we're going to talk about second chances in light of a guy like Jonah. Jonah was in this position just like he was in chapter 1. He sat there, God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. Now, mind you, Jonah was probably a little stinkier and a little stickier and um, probably a bit worn out from three days inside the fish, and yet God said, okay, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go and proclaim uh, to them. Well, we'll talk about a minute about what he proclaims. But something different happens in chapter 3 than happened in chapter 1, right? In chapter 1, Jonah thinks he knows what's better than God. In chapter 3, God's plan is bigger than Jonah's. And so as we begin to talk about this, I want to ask you this question for you to think about. Are you willing to accept the mission that God has put before you? This passage reminds me that, and maybe you didn't notice, that God's plan, God's mission, God's desire for Jonah did not change. Did you see that? God didn't up and change the plan because Jonah disobeyed. The plan that was in chapter 1 was the same plan in chapter 3. What changed in chapter 3? That's not a rhetorical question. That's, you can answer. <laughs> Jonah's heart, right? Jonah responds to God. See, he has all these questions in his mind, and God gives him a, a second chance. And Jonah responds to God. I know as believers in Christ that sometimes we struggle because I don't think a lot of times it's not what we didn't hear, it's what we heard and didn't like, right? We hear God moving, we feel God moving, we sense that God is moving us in a direction. And what did Dan Hoyt say? We thumb our nose at God, right? Dan knew, Dan knew about baptism. I'm not picking on Dan because I absolutely appreciate his heart in saying, listen, it took me a while to get to the point where I realized that I needed to take this step of obedience. Scary, and, and if you know much about Dan, you know how scary it was for Dan to be in there, right? Not because, not, because Dan's a quiet guy. Dan, Dan said, everybody's going to be looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. Everybody was looking at you, but Dan, not, they weren't looking at you to, in a gawking way or to mock you. They were looking at you with excitement because some of us remember when we were baptized 
And you know what, Dan? You're an example for someone in here today who needs to take that step of obedience because they've been running like Jonah the wrong direction. And that's exciting. And I would encourage you to pray for Dan because I don't know where God will take him, what it will look like, where God will begin to open his ministry and uh, ideas for Dan. Uh, it's an act of obedience. And in that act of obedience, that means that God tends to open those doors to allow you some, uh, some really cool ministry opportunities. And, and so I'm praying for Dan that, that those opportunities are uh, really plain and that Dan would uh, be used by God here or wherever God would take him. All right, so if you're, if you're of the... Does anybody know? <laughs> What's the movie? Caddyshack, thank you. Anybody know who the guy is? The... Rodney Dangerfield, yeah. <laughs> I, took, I used that picture because I, I thought that was pretty funny. Does anybody know why I would use a golf uh, illustration this morning? No idea. No idea? Good, good. No, no, that's good, though. We're going to talk a little bit about a mulligan. Does anybody, anybody play golf? I don't, I don't think anybody plays it anymore, do they? Where's Donnie or Lois? They, I play a, yeah, they play a little golf. Do you know what a mulligan is? We probably know what a mulligan is, but we may not even realize that it's a golf term, right? And that it came out of golf in the 20s and 30s. guy by the name of, I know you're going to have a hard time with this, David Bernard Mulligan. <laughs> in the 1920s, uh, would play golf weekly with his friends. A foursome of them would play golf. And uh, one week, he drove his car there, and he went to hit the first tee shot, and he shanked it really bad. And if you know much about golf, it was awful. It was a terrible shot. And so what he did was he quickly grabbed a tee, another tee and another ball, and he put it up there, and they said, what are you doing? He said, that was a terrible shot, and I drove my car, and the vibration in my hands made my hands numb, and I wasn't able to, I was a terrible shot, so I'm going to just do it again. He said, where the heck did you get that? He said, I, it's called a mulligan. <laughs> and it became this word, this idea that we use in a lot of places, do we not? We use the word, you may not even know, have known that it, mulligan was a golf term, but we use that for any time we want to redo, we want to take a do-over, we want a second chance. Jonah was getting a mulligan from God. Was he not? And mind you, at the end of David Bernard Mulligan's uh, day of golf, the, their team happened to win by one stroke. The stroke, <laughs> yeah. And so you know that there was probably a lot of conversation at the end of that game while they were in the clubhouse having dinner together about his mulligan that saved them the game or that they, they won the match because of that. Uh, that change that had happened. And so it became this word uh, that we use for second chances. God said, listen, go to the city of Nineveh. But what he's really saying is you need to share the, the gift of forgiveness with the Ninevites. Right? You want to know something about uh, second chances? Think about the cross of forgiveness in your own life. Right? Scripture says that all have sinned and are in need of God's forgiveness. That's just the paraphrase, but you can, Romans 5, uh, or uh, 
Romans 3.23, right? All have sinned and need God's forgiveness. You know why? Because sin separates us from God. It takes and it puts a wedge in between us. A wedge that we can't get across. And then he says, listen, I sent Jesus to fill in that gap for you. That's Romans 5.8. And then he says, listen, I got your mulligan. Now this is Romans 5.8, my bad. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Church, that is our mulligan. And guess what? We all need a mulligan. Every one of us needs that in our life. We are a broken people. Jonah was a broken prophet who needed the love of Christ. Let's talk a minute for the, about the Ninevites. The Ninevites take advantage of God's second chance. Jonah catches on and he says, all right, I'm going to go to Nineveh and I'm going to share whatever message you tell me, God. Did you see what the message was? Yeah, 40 days and you're dead meat, right? 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Mind you, Nineveh was the biggest city at the time. It was a pretty rough place. Um, It was the power uh, of the day. It would have been pretty easy for them to thumb their nose at Jonah. So Jonah's job, right? Go to the Nineveh and proclaim the gospel. Forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. It doesn't say whether he says any more or if there's other things that he says or I wonder if he didn't share some of his fish story, right? I don't know. Remember, these weren't his friends. These weren't people he enjoyed talking to. These were people who needed to hear that God was going to do something if they didn't repent. And somehow, like Rebecca said, somehow Jonah said these words and the people heard God. Right? They heard God in the midst of that. And somehow they realized that if they didn't make this change and they didn't take this chance that they were in big trouble. They weren't going to, uh, to live any longer. They would have been overthrown. Somehow, somehow they got that. It's kind of like the great IRS commercials. Do you remember the Pennsylvania IRS commercials that say, um, listen, we know you owe taxes, of course, they're talking, into the TV. they're talking to people on the other side of a TV, so not everybody owes taxes. But we know you owe taxes, and we know you're behind on your taxes, and we also know that there are a ton of fines connected to those taxes. But because we're going to give you a second chance, if you call on your own, we will remove the, the fines and just charge you. Do you remember these commercials? Do you remember seeing these? They happen... Uh, usually, I, I see them about every year. These, these commercials are designed to talk people into calling themselves in, right? People who haven't paid their taxes uh, to try to make a way to, and they say, and they always say the same thing. You have one week, 
And if you don't call at the end of that week, we will find you, pretty much is what they're saying, right? We're going to give you a choice. We're going to give you a chance. We're going to let you try to do it on your own by calling. But if you don't, we're going to send the dogs out after you. Isn't that what's going on here? Jonah says, listen, you guys are going to be overthrown. Things are going to happen if you don't begin to change. And what does Nineveh do? They take advantage of the opportunity to repent. They realize their, the error of their way. Mark said humility, and I can't help but think that this is a moment of humility. As you read through that passage, uh, verse uh, 5 through 9, the things that are going on, right? Did you, uh, did you see what they did? They proclaimed a fast. They covered themselves in sackcloth and they sat in the dust. Do you know what? Why, we, why they, that's kind of weird, right? When's the last time you saw someone uh, proclaim a fast, sit in, in sackcloth and lay in the dust? We don't do much of that anymore, Right? Anybody, anybody see anybody doing that? Why did they do it then? What the heck does that mean? Anybody know? Anybody know what that means? Grief, grief right. Grief and penance. A mourning. Now we go to a funeral. Now we go to, uh, we wear all our black, right? And when we go there, what do we do? We don't laugh. We don't make a lot of noise. We go there very quietly, contritely, Realizing the gravity of what's going on, uh, that's more how we mourn these days. But back in those days, that's what they would do. They would, uh, they would sit in the dust. You can, if you remember reading about Job, that's what he sat there for, I think, seven days with his friends in a moment of penance and mourning. They understood. Now, if you, I don't know if you read the other part where it says, they even said, don't let the animals eat. Make sure they're fasting as well. I think that would have been a bigger challenge. I'm just, I'm just being completely honest. It would have been a bigger challenge. Uh, how do you get your animals to not eat for, for the time of the fast? I don't know how that all works, but we can definitely understand this. They took Jonah's words, they heard from God, and they made a big change in their life. They took advantage of what God was offering. God was offering the second chance in their life to turn things around from where they had been. Now, mind you, we look ahead 20 years from this, they literally, Nineveh had done a 180 again and became a real thorn in the side uh, to the Jewish people, causing a lot of problems. But at this moment in their life, the king recognized. Did you see that? The king recognized the importance of taking advantage of God's second chance. Finally, I want to take a look at what God does in this. Because God, God offers grace as a second chance. I don't know if you read, if you heard by verse 10. It says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. Does anybody have King James? Anybody? Nancy has King James? Does anybody know what the word for in King James might be? Repented. 
That's an interesting term, is it not? Think about that for a moment. When God saw what they had did, and when they turned it from their evil, evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them destruction he had threatened. How does that work? How does God change his mind? That's a pretty big theological question, is it not? Does he change his mind? The word, uh, the Hebrew word that uh, is used there for relent or repent uh, in the King James is this. He takes a deep breath, a deep sigh. When do we do that? When do we do that with our kids? Because <laughs> we do it, right? <laughs> right? Okay. They repented. They did what they were supposed to do. I don't have to destroy them. Is that not a good place? And a good place to be? I don't believe God changes his mind I believe that God's focus is there, was before, and was after the same. His focus is, I want to reconnect with my people. My goal, I mean, this, you'll hear, the scriptures are three chapters of creation, sin, and the rest of the Bible designed to try to bring God's people back. Right? You've probably heard that. That's reality. I believe God says, I don't have to do what I was going to do because these people repented. I can offer the grace that I have for them. It's an interesting picture. It kind of doesn't fit in the screen, right? But that's okay. This, this picture is called the prodigal. And I don't know if you really can tell. It's a little bit harder to see. But... There's obviously a, a, an older child, a young adult, teenager, whatever you want up on top. And the reflection is a baby. Think a moment about that prodigal son parable. The father is always ready and willing to embrace his son when he comes back. Always. That is grace. That is the grace that God offers. The question I have is, what about you? What are you going to do with your second chance? Or your third chance? Or your fourth chance? Or however many chances. See, I think when we, we get in Jonah's spot, we make a mistake, we hear from God, we don't do what he expects or desires for our lives, and then we live the rest of our lives feeling guilty and shamed and saying, the four walls of the church will fall down if I walk in it. We're like, I had my one chance and I'll never get another chance and God's done with me. And yet, Scripture is the opposite. God's arms are still open. He still wants you to give you a second chance. But the question is, what are you going to do with it? Will you accept it? Let's pray.
Lord God, we come to you this morning because we are a broken people. We know we need you. We know that you have our best interests in mind. We also know, Lord, that our pride is the thing that holds us back from doing the things you would have us to do. From doing the things, Lord, we know that are in obedience to your will for our life. We know more often than not that that is the plan and yet we just choose to ignore it. We choose not to hear it. We choose to go our own direction. We got a lot of Jonah in us. And yet you are a God of grace. You relented because you saw Nineveh do the right thing. To turn from their evil ways and begin to follow you. But we don't really know the end of the story because we don't know how many generations of those Ninevites might be believers. Those who had given their life to you. Lord, I pray for those this morning who's struggling with a second chance. Struggling to accept that second chance. Struggling, Lord, to... Uh, Realize that your plan is bigger than their plan. I pray for each and every person here who feels in that spot. In your name we pray. Amen.